0: All right ladies and gentlemen welcome. This is the Gunzelcast, cast coming to you from 21490 Lorraine Road in beautiful Fairview Park, Ohio. My name is Ray Carr and I'm flying kind of solo today because Kent Intagliata is joining me on the phone. So it's really not solo, but here I and I'm in the studio. So um, Kent welcome back.
1: Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. You sound great, Mr. Carr to be flying solo, I guess. Well, it's you know I'm
0: kind of like the pilot in a plane, so you're kind of like a pilot in another plane. So we're we're actually flying through the friendly skies of um, of broadcasting. So it's uh, normally we have the the panel with us. We have Jeremy, we have Carmen, but they were unable to um, join us at this time. But I will be talking to Carmen a bit later. But Kent, let's talk a little bit about um, this. Is a time of the year in high school sports that you know football's just about over. Uh, wrestling, basketball takeover. Um, you know, has that changed a lot for you? I mean, what do you see on the horizon for, you know, winter sports as time goes on?
1: That
2: is a great
1: question, right? And honestly, in the state of Ohio, I think winter sports is going to get to be a shorter season, both wrestling and basketball. They have prolonged high school football. And this week, this year it's going to be 16 weeks. Wow. They've invited 16 teams into the playoffs in each region. So they've added that sixth week of playoff. So now they've got 10 regular season games, six weeks of playoffs games. So you're going 16 weeks into school Wow! where that hurts is your basketball and your wrestling teams because the kids that play two sports and don't get me wrong. There are not a lot of them, but the kids are those superb athletes that are playing both sports. Now go into wrestling and going into basketball late, you know, by, by the time if if they make it even to the, to the regional finals, like this week, you know, they're they're they're, This is the second week of of November and those seasons, basketball and wrestling start in two weeks. You know, are those kids going to be ready to play those, those winter sports in two weeks and swimming is another one, you know, everything has been shortened because of the football. And, and that goes back to the money. Thing. The state of Ohio makes money. OHSA makes money. So they want that extra week of playoffs.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, wrestling, it looks like that could be one of the casualties in all this.
1: Yes, you're 100% correct. And, and, and I'll be even uh, proof of that are other states. You know, the North Carolinas, the Georgias, uh, Alabamas, those kids have already started wrestling. They started wrestling the 1st of October. So those kids are really restricted. Pretty much one sport, which is too bad because, you know, the secondary sports like like wrestling, like swimming, like basketball, lose those kids because they, they just can't participate anymore like they used to. When you, when you and I were in high school, mm-hmm. you know, you, you could play three sports and and one season would end. You go right into the next one. Well, now they overlap by so much. You know, it's just it's tough to go from one to the other.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's got to be. You know, and not to mention hockey is another one, but that's not, not everybody's able to play that. So that's um, a
1: very expensive. Yeah. Well, you know what though? You're right. I mean, and hockey starts now too. Now, now don't get me wrong. The percentage of kids that go from, from playing those fall sports, you know, from cross country and and football to go into hockey, very small, but, but it still hurts. There's still, there's still a percentage, maybe three to 5% of those kids. You know, they got to go from playing football to playing hockey and, and it's tough. But, and, and as you know, the other thing with hockey, though, that that's a different world anyway, right? You know, those kids are getting into clubs when they're young and, and they're a lot of them don't play high school hockey anyway. For the most part, the ones that are really good, they disappear and, and head up into Canada and, and get in to those type of programs. But the kids that are just playing hockey to play hockey in high school. Yeah, they're missing out because they they're playing another sport. Right, right. Yeah. Well,
0: things are going to change drastically. You know, you know. We'll just talk a little bit more about high school sports. But is it profitable for the school districts to keep, you know, doing football? Because I know they don't charge a lot to COVID situation where they weren't allowed to have any fans.
1: How is oh yeah that- they're still they're still making money. They charge between eight and ten dollars. In fact, I talked to the AD Rob Beckenrode last week and. I said to him, I go, where are all the people? And he says, the state has forced them to buy tickets online. They can't walk up and buy tickets. That's right. So what they were doing is they were walking around the parking lot. The people didn't have tickets. They were telling them how to go and buy tickets online. And the worst part of that was they were $8 up until four o'clock, four hours or three hours before game time. And then they went to $10. So, you know, which is wrong. I'm not going to go there, but they're going to, they're going to keep making money and football makes money. They they just, they do, you know, they they bring in 2000 fans, 3000 fans for a football game. And and that was at Nordonia between Nordonia and and Willoughby South. Yeah. That's that's something else.
0: Yeah. Well, this, uh, this conversation will continue at at a later date. We'll see how things are uh, transpiring throughout the uh, fall and winter. And today, you will, the people that will hear this will hear this at a later date, but we're, this is November 11th, and it is Veterans Day. and I know Kent that we all have a place in our hearts for the wonderful veterans that have given uh, their life for this country. And my dad was one of those people. That he served uh, in the Korean War and uh, you know it was he never wanted to talk about it, but I always stop and think about what he did and the millions of others that have served this country. and uh, it, it is an emotional day.
1: Oh, absolutely. And actually, I was watching when I came home from working out. They had Midway on and they were showing December 7th when, when Pearl Harbor was bombed. And man, it just brought tears to my eyes just sure. what happened back then. All the kids' lives that were lost and, and the situation we were put in. My father did, did not serve, but my two grandfathers both were. And, and you, know, you know, proud as could be of them. They, you know, they kept our country free and kept us safe. And, and all the people that are still doing it now—absolutely amazing people. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: I mean, the the military. Without the military, this country would be just run. They would run over this country, and they're starting to do it now, which is unfortunate. So we have to really, you know, put our priorities in order. At least from my perspective, and I—I I know you feel the same way.
1: Yeah. So, be absolutely, an, absolutely, pal.
0: Being an NFL referee and and the kneeling, which. Which kind of just spits in the face of any veteran who's put their life on the line for the country. It seems like a, a tough thing to swallow if you're a military person. Understanding there are injustices, of course there are. However, there are much better ways to do it. You, the national anthem is the anthem of this country, which stands for freedom and the fight to keep the freedom. That's kind of where. That's why I have such a difficult
1: time with the NFL. I, uh, not only the NFL, but anybody that does that. I just. You know what? That that is the wrong wrong stage to do that on. If you got an issue with it, take it somewhere else. Take it take it. Put it, go go talk on TV. Go talk on the radio or newspaper wherever you want. But when the national anthem plays, you need you need to honor it yeah. because all those people that, that keep us free and and that is the that the two and a half minutes to honor them and you, you need to do it. And and you know it. no no one kneeled today and i'll say this i was watching uh, the opening kickoff of the miami and and baltimore game and the guy that sang the national anthem is the um i can't remember his name he is the navy guy though he's from cleveland ohio and he sings the national anthem at the indians game and the cavaliers game oh my god he was incredible tonight absolutely incredible and gosh i can't remember his name but you know what there was no one kneeling tonight. There was not a soul. They were all standing. Yeah. You know, they had the huge flag on the field. It was
2: absolutely incredible. Yeah,
0: well, this uh, this conversation can get a little hot and hairy because there's a lot of emotions that do flow. And I I've been to Washington and I've seen the memorials, and I was never in a war, nor was I in the military. But I look at those names on the wall, the Vietnam Memorial, for example, and you think about all those young lives that were lost, and they and if they don't know why and 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 when it's all said and done what did it accomplish and it just brought pain and tears to so many thousands of families that um you know this is it's hard to understand it's hard to fathom that type of thing and that's why it's always good to take some time to just say thank you and, you know and
1: a moment of silence i agree i agree 100% the, the other thing is, you know, without those people that have died for us, what would these guys that, that are athletes be doing? If we would have lost World War Two? you know, you think we'd have uh, Thursday night football right now? No. no. Or, you know, This would be a completely different world. And for those guys to take that stance at, at that time is, is just so wrong. Absolutely wrong. Right. And, you yeah. Know, I, I, you, know,
0: you make money. I look. I, I realize it, and you realize it. They only have a short period of time, meaning professional athletes, to make as much money as they can uh, to support themselves, especially if they don't have a college degree. And I, you know, they they get greedy and they get selfish. But there's, you know, I can kind of see why they want to do it. But you can't lose sight of the fact of without the people that came before you,
1: you wouldn't be here right now. Yeah, and they, they wouldn't have the opportunity to make those millions of dollars. You know what? And for two and a half minutes, you need to honor them. That's what it comes down to. You want to make you want, you want you want to take your fight of injustices somewhere else. Take it to TV. Take it to radio. Wherever you want. That's not the time to do it. That that is not the time to get on your your little grandstand and and you know whatever whatever it is your your thinking. You you can make your stand for. It's the wrong place and the wrong time to do it.
0: Right. You are listening to the Gunzelcast. My name is Ray Carr, along with Kent Intagliana, who is an NFL referee, and he also um, officiates um, wrestling. So, Kent, just, let's give our audience a little bit um, more background about your um, your history in uh, officiating.
1: Well, I started when I actually – my dad was a referee when I was a little kid, and that's how I actually learned football. I would have to go to the game, and I would, I would hold the, the down box or, you know – I, I literally would be a ball boy all the time. So I, I learned the game from a, a, an official's point of view uh, as opposed to a coach and, and a player, which is always the one side and your side's always right. I, I had to play down the middle and, and play fair all the time. So I, I had to play by the rules. Um, and then actually I, I umpired a little bit when I was in high school. uh, did, did the little kids stuff, did Wee baseball when I was in high school. And then I went to uh, Florida State, and my junior year at Florida State, uh, I won the intramural tournament, and the, and the guy that was the head official came out to me and goes, hey, why don't, you, why don't you referee? So he got me into refereeing, so I refereed a couple years down in Florida, and then when I, I came back here, um, I, I moved to Cleveland and decided, hey, you know what, I, I, I want to I wanna get into refereeing. So I started football, and I started wrestling. And this is actually my 25th year, right? So uh, 25 years ago in 1997 or whatever that is, 26, 96. Um, and, and I've been very lucky. Uh, I've refereed uh, eight uh, Division Two and Division Three national championships. I've worked for ESPN the past 10 years, except for the COVID year, doing the play-by-play for the finals. I've, I worked in the NFL. I, I've been to the highest level. and. And I've really been a lucky, lucky individual to be able to do that stuff. Ken,
0: I was going to, you know, because this is a podcast and we're, you know, kind of going in different directions from time to time. If you hadn't become a, a referee, what would you, what would you have liked to do that you haven't done yet or not enough of? Wow.
1: Hmm. That's a great question. I, um, I don't know, I water speed when I was younger. That was a lot of fun. I was thinking about um, acting for you. I think you'd be a good actor. Yeah, I, I, well, okay, yeah, it gets to another thing. I've also been lucky enough, I was the referee for Bachelor Bowl, um, Bachelor Bowl one here in Cleveland, yes. and um, I actually have my SAG card now. And I've been contacted a few times uh, to do some other refereeing things. So see where that goes. Um, I can't sing at all, Ray. Yeah, I, I, I and I can't up. play a musical instrument, so it would definitely have to be acting or comedy or something along those lines because I, I can't get up there and play the guitar or play the piano, and and I surely can't sing. You, you brought it up. My favorite song is the national anthem, but God forbid they would ever have me sing the national anthem. Well, oh, we all have special talents,
0: and not, <laughs> not a lot of us can sing well. People try to sing. However, not all of us can sing well, and there's a big difference between the two. But, uh, you know, Clint Eastwood said it best. Every man must know his limitations.
1: <laughs> you are 100% correct. I'll tell you a funny story. I was I was actually doing, I was emceeing, I was filling in for my dad uh, over in Toledo and emceeing um, and, and, and doing the thing for his basketball game. And they went to play the National Anthem. And back then, it was on this little CD thing, and they couldn't get it to work. Awesome. So, me being the witty guy that I am, we will do the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> so, I oh, did yes. the Pledge of I couldn't sing. There was no way I could sing, and I, I couldn't even start the National Anthem. So, I said, Pledge of Allegiance. Do the, and everybody joined in. We did the Pledge of Allegiance, and we went out with the game. No,
0: that's that's actually brilliant. It really is. I mean, you know, you thought on your feet quickly in a in a high-stress situation, and you got it done, and people, they all knew it, and, and you did it. Oh, yeah. So that's that's just fantastic.
1: I have more people come up to me afterwards, why didn't you sing the National Anthem? And I'm looking at them, and I would just start laughing. I go, you really want me to sing? I go, there is no way I can sing. No, no, I did.
0: You you said, I I know what I did and I did it for a reason. And and if I would have sang the national anthem, there would probably be eggs thrown at me.
1: Oh, remember when Roseanne did it for the baseball Uh, game? It had been just like that. It would have been, it would have been that bad. Yeah.
0: That was a disgrace. None, nonetheless. Um, Kent, uh, real quick, I'm going to ask you this, and we're going to let you go, and we're going to you know, pick this conversation up at a different podcast. But, Kent, uh, favorite movies of all time? You're in the, It's wintertime. You're at home, and you're kind of like, hey, I can't leave the house. The weather's terrible. I'm going to watch uh, one of five of my favorite movies. What would those movies be?
1: Uh, first of all, probably be Vision Quest. Which is a wrestling movie yeah, with like uh, Loudon Swain and Yep, uh, from 1984 or eighty four. Mm-hmm. Eighty three or eighty four. That's one of my all time favorites. And and actually the the one year, uh, the first year uh, when I was at Florida State, a, a bunch of my uh, guys that were on my team uh, had not seen the movie, so I invited them all over to my house we watched vision quest the night before we went out and did the interval wrestling Tournament the next day. So yeah, a little, little promotional, a little, little uh, motivator there, which was great. Yeah. Um, I love that one. Um, I'll tell you another one of my favorites is the replacements with Keanu Reeves. I, I, I like that movie. Um, I, 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 I think some of the other ones, I, I, I like the Shrek. I, I like the first Shrek. I like the, Song stuff in the first yeah, show. yeah, yeah. yeah. Ken I yeah. thought
0: I thought you were going to say um, a few good men
1: I like a few good men but that's not in the, not in the top ten it's it, it's good now uh, now I like uh, when when uh, Jack what's his name gets on there and and you know he's he's being interrogated oh, he oh, has, yeah when you're on the wall you know you you, you want me on that it. wall you need me on that wall on that wall yeah that yeah that's one of the one of the best speeches of all time. You um, did that on one take. Yes, I, I heard that. Um, those and, and being a, the you know Veterans Day and stuff. Um, uh, I mean Midway is a good one. A, the sure. old the older one was good. I um, me think. I mean, I, I I'm definitely a sports a sports guy. Um, Field of Dreams is always good. With uh, um, Kevin Costner. Yep. And and uh, the the, uh, the the guy the black guy. Um, oh, you mean um, James Earl Jones? James Earl Jones and his voice. Oh, yeah. That, People that,
0: will come, Ray. Yes, if you build it, they will come.
1: People Absolutely, will
0: most certainly come. Great movie.
1: Uh, All yes.
0: right, you are listening to the Gunzelcast Cast, and we're going to take a little break, and we'll be back with another segment in just a moment. Thank you. Thanks, Rick Have a good one. This podcast is brought to you by Gunselman's Tavern. For more information, go to Gunselman's.com. Or if you'd like to place an ad on this podcast, go to Gunselman's.com and enter the contact us section and please enter your information there. All right, back to the show. All right, right. folks, uh, welcome back. This is the Gunselcast. I'm Ray Carr, along with Carmen Angelo. Ken and Taggliana was on our first segment uh, of this particular podcast, but uh, Carmen was um, able to come on with us a little bit later. So Carmen, it's good to have you back. Great to be here. And tell us uh, you know this is Veterans Day and we I talked about that with Kent. I know it means a lot to you. I hear you on you know your your show, your show every day and it's a it's a tough thing to talk about because so many people have given so much for us to do what we do every day.
2: Now, it's not a tough thing to talk about. Um, every day should be Veterans Day. Every day should be Memorial Day. Um, you know, the, the treatment that our soldiers have received uh, throughout history, you know, we go back to the Forgotten War, the Korean War. We go back to the Vietnam War. And those young men coming back home and to be called baby killers and to be spit upon, is an absolute joke. Um, the veterans... And uh, those who made the ultimate sacrifice should be remembered 365 days a year.
0: Why do you think by some members of society, and and I think there's a considerable number of them, that don't do that?
2: Um, They're ignorant, plain and simple. And some just don't respect uh, the men and women that have uh, raised their right hand in honor of this country and to defend every freedom that we have
0: you do you ever see that changing
2: um i i do um you know i don't think it's as bad as it was during the vietnam era you know i mean uh, those guys you know they were sent off to to fight a war that i mean they were set up to fail and it's yeah. a damn shame right. and uh, so many 58,000 names are on that wall right
0: yep
2: 58,000 names yeah you saw them all every one of them and uh you know, they made the ultimate sacrifice. I had an uncle. God bless him. He came home, but he spent 18 months at Bethesda. He was a door gunner, and his helicopter got shot down. And the floor of that helicopter came up and they in there cut his body in half. And he was at Bethesda, you know, convalescing for 18 months. And I'll never forget it. My heart breaks for those guys. when. The troops came back to uh, Andrews after Desert Storm. It was Easter Sunday, and I remember uh, there were a bunch of people waving flags. And I can't fault my uncle for this. He was sitting in the recliner, and he threw his beer at the television. And he said, those are the same first that called me a baby killer and spat on me. And to have that bitterness after you darn near gave everything for your country is unfortunate. You know, and I don't know. I, I, I stand by every veteran, no matter what conflict they were in. Um, you know, I'll, I'll run through a wall for them. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, as, um, as I will too. It, it's just the veterans are really the lifeblood of this country. And, you know, not to uh, venture too far away, the police, um, you know, are heroes as well.
2: Without a doubt.
0: Firefighters,
2: nurses, EMTs, first responders. 100%. You know, I go to work every day and I'm in a 72 degree uh, seventy-two degree office and sometimes food's delivered to me. I never take for granted what I do for a living. Um, today for nine hours, I was sitting next to a young man who was staff sergeant in the United States Army and he was deployed to Afghanistan for a third deployment and he didn't have to go. He had already seen two tours, but he said, I want to be with my men. And unfortunately for that young man, Staff Sergeant Travis Mills, at the age of 25 in April of 2005, a minesweeper didn't find a mine in IED Um, when he was in Afghanistan. I think it was uh, the Kiev province. He set his backpack down on an IED and he lost both his arms and both of his legs. He's a quadruple amputee, only one of five post 9-11 quadruple amputees to return alive. Yeah, that's... And today I had a chance to spend nine hours with him and have become a tremendous advocate of him, his family, and his foundation, the Travis Mills Foundation, which is in the state in Maine. It's Elizabeth Arden's old estate. Travis, after convalescing for 19 months at Walter Reed, decided to do something and get back, and he was able to raise some money, and he bought Elizabeth Arden's old estate, rehabbed it, and now. Uh, 42 weeks out of the year he brings wounded veterans he doesn't call them wounded veterans he calls them recalibrated uh, because he believes wounded has a negative connotation and they have an all-expense paid trip with their spouses and their children to his retreat and they take part in various activities and they just trying to reset the pins and they all have something in common you know they've all been injured in battle and uh travis is doing a, a hell of a thing and he is just a tremendous example for all of us that wake up every day with all four of our limbs and all the freedoms that we have and uh today was just a tremendous day i was with several you know united states military veterans who had prosthetic arms or prosthetic legs and you know travis he's got two prosthetic legs and two prosthetic arms and I wake up in the morning and my back hurts and I'm going to moan or bitch about it. Shame on me, you know?
0: Right. Right. How is, um, how does he get around? I mean, he's a, I mean, that's gotta be very difficult.
2: Oh, he's, he's very mobile. He, you know, he can do um, just about anything. I mean, he, he can't pick up his children, but you know, short of that, you know, he says look, I'm able to be a father and a husband. You know, what am I going to complain about? What a tremendous example he is. You know, he doesn't have the POMs, the poor old knees. He wakes up every day and he says, I count my blessings, not whatever people may perceive as a problem. Yeah,
0: Just very inspirational. And, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy that you can go, if he can do it, why in the world can't I do it?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, he, he works with other vets and it's his mission to put a smile on their face and allow them the opportunities to do things that they didn't think they could ever do because of injuries that they suffered. And, you know, his retreat in Maine, they have various activities. Um, there was a gentleman that uh he, he lost uh, one of his arms and uh um, his other hand was badly, badly damaged in combat. And Travis has archery and The guy didn't think he'd be able to do archery. Well, Travis's staff at the retreat uh, sewed together a harness, which allowed him to do archery. He was was able to pull the bow back with um, his mouth and shoot an arrow. And that man, who, before he got to Travis's retreat, didn't think he could ever do something like that. He competed for a spot on the Paralympic team in these last Olympics. He fell just short but he's got a chance of making it in another four years. Wow.
0: Yeah. I mean, he's taken a, a tra- you know, a tragedy and made it into something where these uh, the veterans that have gone through this are, are now living as normal of a life as they can live.
2: So. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even when he was at Walter Reed, he was there for 19 months and, you know, he was down and out for a bit, obviously, which is natural, but, he realized that he could be a leader and, um, he started talking to other veterans that had suffered injuries in combat and he started brightening their their days and they called him, uh, the mayor of, oh gosh, the mayor of 69. I, I think that's what the building was called down there that, um, he was recovering in. Uh, Because he went around to all these different rooms and spoke to all these other veterans who were um, recalibrating and um, he became their friend, their confidant, someone to lean on. And he continues to do it today. He's a motivational speaker and he's just a tremendous, tremendous example for everybody that is a a true and blue American citizen.
0: Now, does he talk to, obviously Travis Mills talks to many other veterans. Does he share with you what, the largest or the biggest psychological hurdle that they, they go through every day?
2: Well, he's got a unique perspective. you know um, there is something that we've all come to know um, over the past couple of decades is post-traumatic stress syndrome. and he has implemented a program to deal with um, the uh, deal with veterans who have what he calls the invisib- uh, uh, invisible scars. But he doesn't call it post traumatic stress. He calls it post traumatic growth because of the stigma that many folks attach to post traumatic stress syndrome. And he offers them this service at the retreat, and it's just tremendous. I mean, you know, it gets these men and women thinking, uh, you know, uh, better about themselves and, you know, that uh, they can live very, very productive lives despite the fact that they were in combat and they were injured in combat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you think of all those things that uh, Travis Mills does and all the things that uh, veterans do. And then, then we come to the um, national football league and they would kneel for the national anthem is, is unfathomable to me.
2: I just. Oh, don't get me going on that, my friend. Well, you and Don't I are get the same, me going on just, that.
0: but I, I just only brought it up because you do talk about, we, we do talk about sports, but, and, and that is part of it. You know, the, the national anthem is, is, is part of sports. It's They play it before every game and to respect it. You may not agree with everything America does, but you have to respect, you know, the national anthem.
2: That's 100%, uh, Ray. I cannot agree more.
0: And it, And it just... I'll, I'll leave it at this. It, it just makes me want to not watch sports when I see that. And I know I... Absolutely. Go ahead. You no, know, no, I was just going to say that, you know, I'm sure... Um, do you think that has hurt the NFL? Do you think that has hurt the uh, viewership?
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely it has. I mean, um, VFW halls and American Legion halls are are big for sporting events. And when you saw a lot of NFL players taking a knee, you saw a lot of these halls deciding not to show games on Sunday, which I'm totally cool with. And you know what? So many people I know, so many people I love that fought for our freedoms and, you know, fought, uh, fought for that flag. Um, it, it's a disgrace. It's an absolute disgrace.
0: All right. I, I want to know your opinion. What do we do about this? What can we do um, as just everyday people, I'm one of those people, um, to help them, help veterans? People say, you know, they're probably wondering, what can I do to help a veteran?
2: What can you do to help a veteran? Well, when you see a veteran, genuinely look he or she in the eye and say, thank you, thank you. Anybody that has raised their right hand in honor and defense of this country, say thank you because without them, guess what? We have nothing. They are our national security. Right.
0: Is there any, uh, a place that people can go and donate, uh, something to the veterans that, that, you know, that you know about?
2: Absolutely. You can go to the Travis Mills foundation, um, specifically Travis mills org slash Dave, And you can make a donation, whether it's five bucks, whether it's a hundred bucks, whether it's a thousand bucks. And actually that money will be matched by David Mortage from Mortage financial. And, um, Travis doesn't take a cent of the money. All the money goes to his retreat and his foundation. And, uh, there's, uh, Travis's foundation, um, and his charity more, uh, more money out of every dollar goes to his foundation than any other charity in the United States. That's
0: great. You know, this is a, a very important thing. I'm glad you and I, Carmen, had a chance to talk about it, and the people that will be listening to this um, will, you know, take action and, you know, just take a moment to say thank you uh, to veterans because they they want to hear that too.
2: Really- yeah, and you know. I had uh, uh, five uncles fight in World War II. And, you know, my grandmother, she worried every single day. You know, um, my grandmother had 14 children, and uh, eight of them were boys. And could you imagine having five sons away at war no. um, during the big one? And by the grace of God, they all came home. They all came home. You know, yeah, and, I, uh, I can
0: only imagine. Can you just put yourself in a position of a parent and 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 your son or daughter doesn't come home. How does a parent deal with that? That that would be one of the most difficult things I think you can ever face.
2: My heart bleeds for any parent that ever lost, ever lost a child fighting for our country. You know, we had August 26th, unfortunately, 13 new gold star families in this country you know, we give up Bagram uh, on the 5th of July, okay? Um, and then we lose 13 soldiers, 13, 13 service members, including Max Solviak, uh from, uh, you know, just west of uh, Cleveland. And, you know, his mother and father had to, to meet his casket in Delaware when uh, those service members flew back. It uh, makes me a little bit emotional. But uh, they they did not die in vain, and their memories will live with me and hopefully every other person in this country uh, until we all take our final breaths. I mean, they made the ultimate sacrifice.
0: Well, one last question, and you, know, you can just take as long as you want to answer it. Will this country ever get to the point again where we're going to be
2: proud to be Americans, in your opinion? Ray, I wake up every single day. And I'm proud to be American. Well,
0: as I, as I, but I'm talking about society. We just, I see a lot of people that are embarrassed or they don't like America. And you've talked about it well, on the air before.
2: Well, uh, if they don't like America, guess what? You know, uh, they can leave. There are a hell of a lot of people coming into this country uh, illegally, by the way, um, that want to be here. Yeah. Those that bitch about the, those that bitch about our country, guess what? You can leave. You know, Trudeau might not let you into Canada. But you can go to Mexico. You can go to Europe. You can go anywhere you want other than Canada. You know, I mean, I uh, love this country. Or guess what? You have an option. You could go live somewhere else.
0: You're president of the United States for one day. What do you do?
2: If I'm president of the United States of America for one day. Yeah. Wow. And there's only one thing I can do?
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can only do one major thing can do some minor things but a major you have the uh, executive power to do one
2: major thing
0: what would you do
2: <laughs> my gosh Ray, that's such a hard question I mean I, I want to give I want to give everybody here we are on Veterans Day I want to give uh, every man and woman that has served this country admirably a million dollars I want to shut down the southern border um, I want to put troops uh, on the southern border, I want to choke off the supply of fentanyl and car fentanyl in our country with the use of troops at our borders, at our ports um, at our mail systems. Um, you can 't just ask me you know w- what one thing would I do if I was president for a day. There are so many things I well, want to
1: do
0: sure, sure, but you know if if you you know one thing at least you would do that i i think I think our economy is the one thing that affects every single American. Um, the borders obviously affect everybody too, but not like money when people don't have money or the economy tanks, um, that puts millions of families, um, in a bad place.
2: Oh, well, I'm, it's, Ray, I'm with you a hundred percent. And they, these are the exact things that I talk about on a daily basis. I mean, there would be so many things I want to do, you know, um, I don't know, uh, but yeah, no, you're right, but um, guess what, without national security, we don't have sure. an economy right. you don't you know that's that's the most important thing. we gotta shore up our borders, we've got to refund our military, you know we, here we are on veterans Day, the v a um did not yeah. have did not have a good reputation, you know, and uh Hopefully, uh, hopefully things are okay. Now we had a young man on from the VA today who's an amputee. Um, and, uh, ironically he's a counselor at VA Wade Park and, you know, he, he told me things have changed a little bit. Um, and he said, I'm seven years away from retirement and he kind of can't wait until, you know, he can sell off into the sunset in the retirement. Well,
0: let's leave it right there for now, Carmen. We've we've covered quite a bit of stuff and we'll um, hopefully be able to all of us get together and do our podcast uh next week.
2: Sure. Great. Uh Ray, it was great talking to you tonight.
0: You're the best, Carmen.
2: You got you got you got me fired up now, man. Well, that's You got job. me fired up. Well,
0: <laughs> you I love you succeeded. I love to hear you talk about this stuff because you're passionate, you're knowledgeable, and I think A lot of people believe what you believe. And that's why I asked you those questions.
2: Well, and you know what? If a lot of people believe what I have to believe, guess what? If you're out there and you're one of those people, don't be afraid to say it. You know, if you love America, let people know you're a patriot. If you love our troops, if you stand by everything that they do, don't be afraid to say it. This is America. You still have a First Amendment right you have the right to say what you want and defend the men and women that protect this country.
0: Absolutely. All right. With that, Carmen, we'll let you go. Um, Get some rest. We'll see you next week on the podcast.
2: You got it. Ray, Ray. You take care, buddy. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: Bye. All right. My name is Ray Carr. Um, On behalf of Carmen Angelo, Kenan Tagliata, Jeremy Demery. This is the Gunzelcast, and we'll see you for another edition next week. We'll be right back. back.